Would you pray with me? Father God, we give you thanks for the opportunity that we have to gather together uh, right now with our families or uh, with friends to open up your word and hear from you. God, I say that and I am reminded, even in my own life, how easy it can be to take that opportunity and privilege for granted. You have spoken to us through your word, and so I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive from you what you have for us today. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is week three of a series entitled Kiss the Wave, Learning to Lament. It's from a quote by Charles Spurgeon, who said, I have learned to kiss the wave that uh, tosses me against the rock of ages. In other words, our suffering as the people of God is used by God to draw us to him in really some unique and profound ways. We're doing this series because I think more now than ever before, we are experiencing in a real practical way the brokenness of our own world. The world that we live in seems as if it is out of control. And the issues that we're facing aren't just out there, you know, somewhere we don't have to worry about them or we read a headline and go, oh, that's too bad, uh, but it doesn't impact us. No, it it does impact us. It affects us. All of us, regardless of who we are or how old we are, will experience the, the heartache of living life in a fallen and broken world. And so my desire as a pastor is to give us a framework for how we are to interact in a fallen and broken world. And so a couple weeks ago, we gave definition to this idea of biblical lament. What does it mean to lament? It's a word that we probably don't use very often. And so we, we defined it. It's a definition from Mark Rogop in his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And he says, biblical lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. A prayer in pain that leads to trust. We talked about how there are really four waves of lament that we read about in scriptures, particularly in the Psalms. The first response to lament or to heartache is for us to turn to God. Secondly, we complain to God in a, in a biblical and an appropriate way. We talked about that last week. This week, I want us to think together about the idea of asking God. What does it look like for us to come before the God that made us and boldly ask God to move and act? And then next week, we're going to talk about trusting in God. So turning to God, complaining to God, asking God, and trusting God. I want you to notice those themes this week as we read through Psalm 22. It's kind of a long psalm, and I want to do something a little different this morning. I want to read through the whole thing first, uh, which is going to take a couple minutes, and I want you to see if you can notice those themes as we read this passage together. And so if you have your Bibles, Turn with me to Psalm 22. If not, you'll be able to follow along on the screen. But, but again, I want to encourage you as I'm reading this passage, think about those four ideas, those four waves of lament. Turning to God, 
complaining to God, asking God, and trusting God. So here is uh, Psalm chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued. In you, they trusted and were not, be, and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He who trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you I uh, was cast from my birth and from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Verse 11 reads, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a, a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot uh, sherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Verse 18 reads, But you, O Lord, do not be far off. Or verse 19, But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. Verse 25, from you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall uh, eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. But before him bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Uh, posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. It shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. 
Did you notice as we read that psalm together, all of the ups and downs and twists and turns that David, the psalmist, experiences in his life? We begin the psalm and notice that David is turning to God in his pain. He says in verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God. Uh, David speaks to the Lord on a very relational and personal level. My God, like my God. He cries out to the Lord in his pain. Where do you go when you experience pain or hardship in life? We've said that the temptation oftentimes is to turn inward, uh, to look within ourselves, to... uh, to kind of quiet ourselves and pull back from our friends or for our family, from those who know us and love us. It's almost as if we want to be left alone. We don't want to turn to anyone. But when we experience a heartache in life, a, a broken heart, we can turn to God. We can cry out and say, my God, my God. And God hears us. He listens. He loves hearing from his kids. And so the psalmist turns to God. He says, my God, my God. And then he complains to God. That's what David's doing here in the second half of verse 1 and verse 2. Do you notice how, how raw and open and honest David is before the Lord? Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? from the words of my groaning. He says in verse 2, Oh God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, I find no rest. David says, in essence, listen, I'm calling, Lord. I'm, I'm hopping on the horn. I'm getting on the phone. I'm crying out to you, but you're not picking up. It's as if David is like, it's ringing. It's ringing. But God doesn't answer. And then he paints this picture At night, he continues crying out to the Lord, but God uh, gives him no rest. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you've had a rough day or a difficult day, when you're exhausted, when you are broken, when you come to the end of your rope, sometimes you think to yourself, if I can just make it to bedtime and get a good night's rest, uh, then I'll be okay. Have you ever been there before? And David is, in essence, saying, I get uh, to the night, the time when I should experience rest and refreshment. And he says, I get none. You can almost imagine David experiencing a, a difficult day when he's crying out to the Lord. God's not responding to him. And then he's up all night long and he's experiencing no rest from his circumstances. And so David is just being open and honest with God. Do you know that you can be open and honest with God when you experience hardship or difficulty or pain or suffering in life? It's okay to go before the Lord, to turn to him and complain to God and say, this is what I'm experiencing right now. God, you seem distant. You seem far off from me. It seems like you're not answering my text messages or my phone calls. I'm experiencing sleepless nights and I'm uh, receiving no relief 
from the pain that I am experiencing. So David cries out to the Lord and he cries out to him essentially according to his character, according to the character of God. And so we see in verse 1 and 2, David turning to God, complaining to God. But then there's this shift that takes place in verse 3. Did you notice it? He says in verse 3, yet, yet, this is my experience. This is what I feel in the moment. Yet, God, I know that you are holy. You're enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. So David's open and honest with the Lord. He turns to the Lord. He complains to the Lord. But then there's that, that beautiful word where you see almost a shift take place in the psalm where David says, yet I know that you are holy. I know that you are holy. Oftentimes in our lament to the Lord, we cry out to the Lord, we complain to the Lord, but then there's this reminder that God gives to us where we say, no, I, I know that God is holy. I know he is good. I've seen historically how he has dealt with his people throughout all of human history. I know how God has dealt with me. You can, you can almost feel the wrestling that's taking place in the heart of David, yet you are holy, you're enthroned on the praises of Israel. This is so important when we uh, give ourselves a framework in how to deal with our suffering in life, to know that it is a good thing for us to turn to God. It's a, a natural thing and a, and a good thing for us in some ways to complain to God, just to be open and honest with where we are. But the hope and the purpose isn't for us to stay there. Right? That complaining to God isn't a, a, a means to an end, or it's, it's not a final stop for us where we get off and just sit in our complaint. Instead, that complaint moves us toward asking God and trusting God. I love what Mark Rogop says in his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercies. He writes, his complaints or David's complaints are not a cul-de-sac of sorrow, but bridges that lead to God's character. This is why we love the Psalms, especially lament Psalms. They anchor us to the yet of God's character. He writes, in my study of lament, I've come to love the word yet. It marks the place in the journey where the path, uh, where, where the pain and the belief coexist. I mean, David's feeling the pain. The pain hasn't gone away. And yet you see this belief sprouting in his heart. Uh, he writes, it is how we gain the confidence to ask boldly despite the sorrow and grief we feel. Yet means that I choose to keep asking God for help, to cry out to him for my needs, even when the pain of life is raw. Yet reminds us that sorrow doesn't have to yield before we ask God for help. We can still feel that and experience and cry out to the Lord and ask him to help. He writes, part of the grace of lament is the way it invites us to bold or to pray boldly even when we are bruised badly. 
So we see David turning to God. We see him complaining to God. And now we're going to see him boldly asking God. There's this shift that takes place. And David gets real specific with his request before the Lord. He says in verse 11, Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. David says, this is my reality right now. If you follow the story of David, you know there are seasons in his life when all is not well. Right, described as a man after God's own heart, and yet we see uh, the consequences to David's sin in his life. We see his life in many ways go sideways. Right, we, we see David pursued, the enemy seeking his life. We see his family shattered and broken apart. And, and David, in the midst of this, is crying out to the Lord, saying, God, be not far from me. Hello, trouble is near. Like, God... Do you see what I see? It's almost like David sees the trouble approaching on the horizon. And he's like, um, they're getting close, Lord. Lord, hello. Like, move, act. There is no help for me, he cries to the Lord. Later in the psalm in verse 19, David says, But you, O Lord, do not be far off. Oh, you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. Right, David, David is being open and honest with God and he's going, God, you need to move like now. You need to move now. The enemy is approaching. There are none to help me. God, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Do something. But this is part of lament when we turn to God and we complain to God and then we ask God for something bold and specific. A couple weeks ago, it was a Wednesday morning and we had uh, a Zoom call, 6 a.m. with the guys. Guys at Christ Point uh, hop on the, the Zoom call or hop on the phone at 6 a.m. It's early, I'm not going to lie. And I always am afraid that I'm going to wake up my family at 6 a.m. And so I decided I'm going to take the call out in my car. And so I'll go and sit in my car. The neighbors probably think I'm nuts. Uh, I bring my computer with me and I dial in at 6 a.m. And oftentimes I'll be sitting in the front seat, driver's side, and I'll set my computer on the passenger seat or on the center console of the car. And so the whole phone call, I'm, I'm looking like this direction. Or if you're watching this, maybe it's this direction. My head's kind of tilted. I'm in this funny spot. And a couple weeks ago, after I got off the Zoom call, I was like, man, my, my neck feels stiff. Like I had a kink in my neck or something. And it was, it was bothering me, but it wasn't, it wasn't a huge deal. It wasn't the end of the world. It was kind of like when you have a bad night's sleep and you wake up and you're going, oh man, I, I slept funny on my pillow. It kind of felt like that. And so I left the house and went into the office. And this mild discomfort that I was feeling in my neck grew uh, to like intense pain. I mean, intense pain. So much so that when I was at the office uh, at the Speedway, I, I literally laid out on the floor and I'm going, I, I had some stretches that I had learned over the years because this isn't the first time this has happened. And, and so I go to stretch and I can't put my neck on the floor. Like my neck is, is throbbing, it's killing me. I was in so much pain, I ended up driving back home and I get home and I, I start literally pacing in the house. I mean, it, excruciating pain. 
And I told Melissa, I said, it feels like my body is starting to shut down. I started feeling pain in my left arm, my fingertips, uh, like felt felt numb almost. I was like losing feeling in my fingertips. I'm like, this is the weirdest thing. And, you know, I I made the mistake of hopping online and I'm like, what what happens if you have, you know, pain in your arm and tingly fingertips? And they're like, hey, you know, you're going to die in 30 seconds. And I'm like, that's a bad thing. And so I told Melissa, I said, Melissa, I feel like my body's shutting down. And she looked at me and she said, James, I don't know who is responsible for your body, but you better call him right now. <laughs> right? So she sees the pain I'm in. I got to tell you, when, when I was pacing back and forth, when I was experiencing that intense pain, I was crying out to the Lord. And my prayers were specific and my prayers were bold. I was like, God, you've got to do something now. Like, take away this pain now. I said, God, I can't deal with this. I mean, it was so intense. You may hear that and you're like, James, you're, you're a pansy. Maybe, but it hurt badly in that moment. And I was crying out to the Lord. I tell you, when you are desperate, when you're desperate, and when you realize you are not in control of your life. It changes the way that you pray. Right? If you've ever been given an unexpected diagnosis, if uh, someone you love has ever left you, if you've ever lost your job, if you've ever had to bury a loved one, I tell you, it doesn't take much uh, for your prayer life uh, to radically change in such a way that you cry out to God to ask him to move and act. That's what David is doing here. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Hardship humbles us and it causes us to pray some bold prayers before the Lord. God, I need you to come to my aid like now. So maybe you think, well, James, what, what can we ask the Lord when we come to him? Like what, what's appropriate for us to ask the God of the universe to do? Like how should we ask him to move and act. Well, there are numerous examples throughout the Psalms and throughout Scripture of people asking the Lord to move and act in significant ways. I think of just the Psalms alone, we, we see God, um, we, see, we see the psalmist asking God just to move. Right? There's this phrase that oftentimes we read about in the Psalms where the psalmist will write and say, Arise, O Lord. Arise, O Lord, which means like, act, move. There are seven lament psalms that call upon God to arise or to rise up. I think of Psalm 10, verse 12, where it says, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand, forget not the afflicted. Which means, God, do something. Like, do you see what's taking place? Move and act. 
Arise, O Lord. We see God, um, we see other people ask God for help. Grant us help. We see when people are suffering in the Psalms, they cry out to the Lord. I think of Psalm 60, verse 11, that says, Oh, grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of man. With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. There are times when we just ask God for help. We consider our circumstances and our situation and we go, God, you, you see this, you know, Lord, like help me in this moment. There are other times when we ask God to uh, remember his promises. Remember your covenant. Like you, God, you promised you promise to care for us. You promise to provide for us. You promise to be with us, to protect us. And God, I, I don't see that right now. So God, be faithful to your covenant promises. If you're a parent, you probably have had this experience before where your son or daughter will ask you if you can do something uh, with them or for them. And oftentimes, if you can, you say, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll go there. We'll, we'll do that. You, you can get that. We'll get an ice cream after dinner. And you've probably also had the experience where whatever you, you promised to do, uh, your plans changed. Oftentimes something happens that you're not in control of. It's not intentional. It's not even anything that you can control. But what you said you were going to be able to do, you can't do anymore. Have you ever had that experience where your son or daughter has said to you, but, but you promised, right? You, you said we could go. You, you said we could get that. He said that you would help, right? They, they are pointing out your, your character and saying, but you said you were going to do this. So you need to do it. And we see that in scripture with the psalmist where he goes, God, you, you're faithful to your promises. You're the promise-keeping God. You promised. So do it. Right? I'm, I'm trusting in your word, Lord, says the psalmist. I'm, I'm trusting in you. There, there are other times when we see in scripture people asking God, um, to act justly. Right? We, we see people uh, in, in a cry of lament to say, God, I, I want you to act in justice. Uh, justice in Scripture is, is connected to God's righteousness and to his goodness. When people are acting in a way or, or treating others in a way that's not God-glorifying, that goes against God's character. We see the psalmist crying out to God, saying, God, be who you are. Be just. Like, notice those who are abused. Notice those who are forgotten. See those who are being mistreated and act out of your character and who you are. There are other times when we see the psalmist ask God for restoration. The psalmist will look at the brokenness of the world or look at relationships that have been shattered and pray that God would restore uh, human hearts in such a way that his people would be 
united or that people would be restored back into a relationship with God and a relationship with others. These are just a sample of the things that we see God's people asking of the Lord in the Psalms. And so listen, if you're going through a difficult time right now, if you are experiencing heartache, if you are suffering, I want you to know you can come before the Lord and pray bold prayers. Ask God to move and to act. Ask God to help. Ask God to be just. Ask God to be faithful to his promises. Ask God to be restored. I really believe that God delights in answering those kinds of prayers. We see him do it all the time. Sometimes I think we're hesitant to bring our request before the Lord because we think maybe our request is small or insignificant or we don't know if we're praying about the right thing or the right way. And yet scripture invites us to come before the Lord boldly. You know, sometimes I think we come before the Lord uh, like the, the characters in the Wizard of Oz uh, approaching the wizard. We think God is behind this a curtain where he can't be accessible and, and we see the lightning flashing and hear the thunder and we're going, man, I, I need to come and, and fear and God doesn't really want to talk to me and I don't want to bother him and we kind of hem our haw, him and haw our way into a conversation with him. But that's not the picture that's painted for us in Scripture. I think of Hebrews chapter 4 where the writers of Hebrews uh, says that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Right? In other words, Jesus, our high priest, understands what we're going through. He understands. He's not caught off guard by it. He knows the wrestling of our hearts. He has experienced right, what we have experienced. So, so we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness. He says then, let us uh, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find uh, grace to help in our time of need. I saw this little clip of a basketball game recently where one of the uh, players, I think he was probably a forward, or uh, maybe the center had missed a shot and he dropped his, his chin down. He dropped his head down. He was dejected. He felt terrible that he had missed the shot. And his point guard who was on the team walked over to him when he had his chin down like this and just went like this, right? He just lifted up his chin. He's like, come on, man. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, I, I almost see that, that picture here where it says, let us draw with confidence or with confidence, let us draw near to the throne of grace. Chin up. I come to the throne of grace that we, re, that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. If you are experiencing a, a time of need right now, maybe, maybe that time of need looks more like a season of need or years of need, and you are experiencing heartache or brokenness or you are suffering and you don't know where to go and you don't know what to do, I want you to know that you can turn to God. You can turn to God. God. God meets you and he meets me in our time of need. We can, we can be open and honest about what is on our hearts. Right? We can shoot straight with God. And then we can boldly ask God uh, to move and act in a significant way. You know, lately I've been thinking about how these psalms of lament 
tie into what we're experiencing as a people, as a country, as a nation, and really as a world. I think about what does it look like for us to cry out to God as we experience the impact that the coronavirus has had uh, on us as a people or on us as a church. I know there are so many voices and opinions out there about uh, how to respond and when to respond and whether we should wear masks or not wear masks or, or you know, how significant is this and is it overblowing or you hear all these voices. But one thing I do know, I, I do know that, that this impacts the most vulnerable in our society. Right? I know this impacts the elderly, and I know that it impacts those with compromised immune systems. Right? And there's, there's something in the word that causes us to reach out uh, to the most vulnerable. Right? So as I think about this and the impact that it's had on our society, I, I want to cry out to the Lord and, and just openly and honestly say, God, like, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, the most vulnerable that you have created are impacted by this in significant ways. We, we are just beginning, I think, to, to experience the impact of this. And so we cry out to the Lord. We turn to him. We complain to him. And then we ask him, say, God, like, God, bring healing. Like you can do it with a spoken word. You can, you can bring healing. You can provide a vaccine. You can heal those who are, who are sick. You can strengthen those who are weak. And so God, like do it. Like move and act. Like this is how we lament before the Lord. We look at an issue like uh, racial injustice in our society. And again, there's so many opinions and so many voices and and what we should do, and how we should respond. And admittedly, I don't always know the answer to those things, but when I see examples of injustice, like before my eyes, I look at that particular situation, and my, uh, my heart is grieved. And, and where do you go when you feel that, when you experience it? You go to God, and you, you complain before Him. You say, like, God, do you see what's happening? Like, do you, do you notice it seems like we're crying out to you and you are not responding? We call, but you don't answer. We're experiencing sleepless nights. And so, God, I pray that the truthfulness of the gospel and the love of Christ that is in your people would permeate our hearts and lives in such a way that we would come alongside our brothers and sisters and just love each other well. God, you call us, you command us to love you and to love others. And so pour that gospel hope into your people. God, like, do it, like, now. Like, restore us. Maybe there's a situation in your life right now that hits closer to home. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've been uh, diagnosed with an illness or with a sickness. Maybe you've lost someone you love. The, the reason that we're going through this is because I want you to have a framework to cry out to God, right? To turn to him, to be open and honest with him and complain to him, but then to ask him for like bold, bold things. God, move and act in significant ways. Work 
in such a way for our good and for your glory. But God, like, do it now. Do it now. And then to turn to him in trust. So if you're watching this message today, I want to encourage you to do that. Right? To, to step aside from the, the busyness and the craziness of your day. I know right now you're probably corralling kids. You're distracted. You're thinking about your cold coffee or wondering if you have time to go grab a snack and come back. And all these thoughts are going through your mind. But I want to encourage you and challenge you today to find a time just to be still in the quiet and, and to be quiet and cry out to the Lord and remember uh, the God that knows you and made you and loves you uh, delights in hearing from you. And so go to God and ask and pray uh, bold prayers. Uh, he delights in answering those. And so let's pray that he would. Would you pray with me? Father God, I do uh, pray for your people today. Lord, Lord I think about the, the reach or the impact that, uh, that you have just on our, our church family and our community and our Charlotte and, and Concord and Davidson and Canapolis community, Lord, I think about our families and in our outpost and in those who are listening or watching in other places as well. God, would you be gracious and kind to them today? I pray that your spirit would pour hope into their hearts. I pray that you would strengthen them and just love them well. Be gracious and kind to us, Lord. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.